Let me ask you a question. You ready? We're going to start a brand new series uh, today called For the Church. We're going to talk about this morning why Jesus died. Have you ever made a big sacrifice for someone? I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, just a small favor like you, you know, got a drink for someone or something like that, although that's great. But I'm talking about something big, a real sacrifice. Maybe you put your needs to the side for a moment and you let someone else have their way. Or maybe you did without so that someone else could have what they need. I think a perfect example of this is mothers. At the very least, uh, you remember living this sacrificial uh, you know, gift out because you let someone else grow inside of you and, and steal your nutrients, change the shape of your body, change your schedule, steal your sleep. All this for a little person that you haven't even met yet. And then, after they are born, you continually sacrifice and put others first. Well, today, as we celebrate Easter, we remember the sacrificial death, the burial in that borrowed tomb, and the glorious resurrection of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He put his life on the line. He put others first with his sacrificial death. But why did he die for us? Why did he sacrifice well, it wasn't an accident, right? Jesus didn't like go too far and then the, the Jewish and Roman leaders sacrificed him they, and killed him. It wasn't because he stepped over the line. Well, Peter, in the book of, uh, uh, Ox, Peter in the book of Acts says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 23. Peter says, this Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and the foreknowledge of God. And you crucified him and killed him by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. This was always the plan. There was a definite plan for Jesus's life to end on the cross and then him to be raised again. That was always the plan. But why? Why did Jesus die on the cross? We're going to talk about three reasons this morning. And we're going to nail down on one. For the majority of the time. The first is this. Jesus died on the cross to bring us near to God. He made a way for us to have a relationship with God. God is perfect and God is holy and God cannot be around sin. And that's a problem because we are covered and we are filled with sin. But through Jesus, he made a way for us to get to God. 1 Peter 3.18 says, Christ died for sin once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous. Why? To bring you to God. That's the great exchange. The unrighteous for the righteous. To bring us to God. The innocent died for the guilty. To bring the guilty to God. Jesus was your substitute. The one who never sinned became sin that we might become the sons of God. God sent Jesus. And Jesus willingly died in our place to bring us to to God. So that's the first reason Jesus died on the cross. The second is this. Jesus died to reveal God's character. We can only tell so much about who God is, although there is a, 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 an awesome, uh, you know, uh, revealing of God's character through nature, right? We can see his appreciation for beauty. We can see the order that he has set down. But there's only so much we can know from looking around. And God sent his son Jesus to tell us more about himself 
namely that he loves us. You know Romans 5.8? God demonstrated, he put it on display. God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners... It wasn't because you were good. It wasn't because you had attended enough church services or joined, uh, you know, uh, a church or, or came to Sunday school. And none of those things matter. It wasn't because of that. But he put his love on display. Even while you were a sinner, Christ died for us. Christ's death puts beyond all doubt the fact that God loves us. And we think about how Jesus loves us, right? There's the little song that we remember. Jesus loves me, this I know. But God the Father loves us as well. And he sent his son. And it assures us that no matter what life throws at us, that we can remember, like it says in Romans 8.32, and we can trust that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will also graciously give us all things. We know that because God was willing to sacrifice Jesus and to allow him to go, and Jesus was willing to sacrifice himself, that God loves us enough to give us what we need. God loves us so much, and he is perfect, and he is just. And I couldn't just turn a blind eye to sin because that would be unjust and unholy. But instead, he made a way through Jesus Christ. So God's holy justice and wrath were appeased by the sacrifice of Jesus. And now we're brought near by the blood of Jesus. Christ laid down his life for us. So we've got the first two, that Jesus died on the cross. Why? To bring us near to God. And Jesus died to reveal to us God's character. But lastly, what we're going to focus on today is that Jesus died to give us this thing called the church. Romans 5.25 says that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The church was birthed out of the travail of the cross. The New Testament paints this picture of Christ's bride, the church, and the commitment of this future wedding in heaven, the relationship and the promise. Christ is in love with the church. But what is the church, right? There's an old song that says, uh, it's called, Come to the Church in the Wildwood. It's a, it's a beautiful, pretty little song. And it talks about this brown, uh, little brown church with sweetly singing bells and the church of our childhood, the church where our loved ones are buried and we lay our flowers. Is there anything wrong with this song? Absolutely not. But it's a song about nostalgia, right? A sentimental longing or wistful affection for the past. Typically a period of time with a happy personal connection, right? And for many of us, when we think about the church, we long for something that's in the past. Something that was fuzzy and warm and something that was sweet. But that's the problem with nostalgia though, right? Many times it's not real and it's almost impossible to live up to those warm feelings and to recreate them. And that's why so many people have a disappointment during like the Christmas season or Thanksgiving because uh, they have these expectations of living up to something that was in the past. But is this the church that Christ died for? A church of nostalgia. This rosy picture that we see in the past where we remember the good things. Can we live up to that? Tori uh, tried to show our kids uh, the show Little House on the Prairie. She had talked it up and that it was really good and our kids were going to love it. 
and they tried to watch it, and they basically hated it. There was a dog that died in the first episode, and they were done. They were just like, I don't want to watch this. They had no connection to it. Tori remembered it from her childhood, and so she had warm and fuzzy feelings, but they, it didn't make sense to my kids. They didn't have that appreciation. So when Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it, was it just for nostalgia and sentimentality? A children's church singing Christmas carols in the background of Home Alone, right? And how that stirs your emotion. Or maybe you remembering Easter dinner with grandma after Sunday morning service. Is, is that what the church is supposed to be? Those things are great and those things are good, but is that all it is? Sometimes uh, we look at the past and, and we remember what things used to be like. And the present can't possibly live up to it. Maybe what you think about as the church is more like a club, right? We go to a place that serves us and feeds us and cares for us and, and programs and styles must fit me and my family and uh, I need to be comfortable and, and easy. And if anything's out of the norm, we get a little bit upset. And if anything makes us do that extra step, then we're really not excited about it. Things need to be fresh and entertaining and I can pick and choose where I want to participate. And this church is about my preferences and my opinions. And church for us is a place that if I join and I pay my dues and I put in the time, and then I get the perks and I get the amenities. A place that takes care of me. These type of statements come from an unbiblical view of what a church is to be. These people that view it as a club really want to be part of a country club, right? For them, it's about membership that's about receiving and not giving. It's about uh, rights and not responsibilities. It's about entitlements and not sacrifice. Is this the church that Christ loved and gave himself up for? The one that has the best coffee, the best website, and keeps me comfortable, and the programs fit me, and they do what I tell them to do. The church of nostalgia and the country club church are not the church of the New Testament. See, 2,000 years ago, the early church understood that they must serve, not just be served. Care for others, not just be cared for. Pray for their leaders, not tear them down. Study the Bible themselves, not ask to be bottle-fed the Bible. And they also realized that they, as parents, were the primary disciplers of their children and that they could not outsource that responsibility. They understood that they needed to give, not just be given to. And in some cases, these people had to lay down their lives for belonging to this new thing called the church. See, 2,000 years ago, they had a biblical view of the church because they viewed the church through the eyes of Jesus. And they looked at the example of Jesus and everything that he gave up for the church. And they realized that this was a place that I can love God and worship God and I can love and serve others. It's not a place of getting. It's a place of giving. The Greek word uh, translated church in the Bible is not ever talking about a building. It's translated also accurately as community or assembly. It's about people. The New Testament church has never been about buildings and governments and structures and programs and tax-exempt status and pews and furniture and classrooms and picnics and bulletins. If those are the things that we are most in, uh, excited about and most concerned with, then we're missing what a church is because we can have all those things and still not be a church. 
The church has always and will always be about people. People that do things together. People ministering to other people. Loving and showing grace and working together and being in unity and serving others. While on earth, Jesus made two specific references to his church community. On the first occasion, he was talking to Peter in Matthew 16, 18. And he, Jesus tells Peter, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This last year has been a great testimony about how circumstances and uh, hardships and, and evil cannot Tear down the church. Why? Because he's the one that's going to grow it. He's the one that's in charge of building it. But when he talks about building it, he's not telling Peter that he's going to build a sanctuary, right? And he's got the plans all laid out. No, Jesus tells Peter that he will build his church, his community, his assembly of people. Now, the second time Jesus talks about uh, the church in his earthly ministry is when he talked about in Matthew 18 just a few chapters later. And he told this community of people how to deal with problems in the church, problems with the other people in the church. And that is directly and face-to-face. We don't run around and talk about how all the things that we're unhappy about. We go to the places that we need to go and we talk to people face-to-face. We're not with anonymity and not with, you know, behind the scenes, but we directly deal with problems face-to-face. But why did Jesus talk about this? Because church is not just a bunch of people that sit in pews and look in one direction and listen to one person preach. A church is a people that are going to live together and do life together. And therefore, there's going to be problems. Why? Because we're sinners and we're going to have issues with each other. But we've got to deal with them and live life together through the ups and the downs. So Jesus told them how to deal with their problems. Now, luckily for us, we have more than just the words of Jesus Christ. We have uh, the God-breathed scripture of Acts and the uh, Romans and the epistles to tell us more about the church and how the church should function. But if it wasn't the church of nostalgia, and if it wasn't the country club church, and if it isn't just for buildings and activities, then when we see that Jesus gave up his life for the church, what did he give himself up for? See, if we don't know and we can't pinpoint those things, then it's a problem. Because if we don't know, we're going to get distracted and we're going to emphasize things too much and not emphasize other things enough. For the past year, this church has been stripped down to the bare, bare bones because of a pandemic. It's outside of our control. But I want to suggest to you that this is the perfect opportunity for us to check to see if we have good bones. There's not a lot distracting us from what the real mission is. So are the bones that we've built this thing on the right bones? Someone said instead of freaking out that our uh, our churches aren't in the buildings, we should be freaking out that the people don't know what to do unless they're in the church buildings. See, 2,000 years ago, they didn't have buildings for hundreds of years, and they were able to function as a church. So what are we missing? Why aren't we okay? Not that this is wrong. This is amazing, and I love it. But sometimes we put too much emphasis at one hour at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning and call that church, and we don't live it out through the rest of the week with each other in community. 
Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. But is it just the church of, uh, you know, a room full of people sitting still and being quiet and listening to someone talking? Is that all that a church is? Is that what Jesus loved and gave himself up for? Is that our mission? So during this time, as we're ramping up in-person services and, and adding events and adding things, we have an opportunity to recenter and refocus and rebuild our church, Clarksburg Baptist Church, in the vision and the example of the New Testament church, the one that Jesus died for. We need to ask ourselves, when we cut through all the pageantry and all the property and all the pastimes and all the programs, is what we have left a church? So for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about the irreducible minimums of a church. If we were going to talk about the bare bone things that we have to have as a church, what are those things going to be? And these things are given to us by Brian Sanders. We can have more than these, strings, these three things, and they can be great things. But we have to have these three things. If we don't have at least these three things, then we might not be a church. A church is a group of people that must worship together. And that's more than just a 10 o'clock service, uh, whether it's live stream or in person. That's more than just sitting together or singing together. Worship is about us living together and worshiping God with our lives. And worship takes sacrifice. So the first one is worship. The second one is community. We have to live in community with each other. We have to know each other. We have to pray for each other. All these one another's that we've been talking about in the Bible. If we just come together at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning and sit next to each other and, you know, air high five each other and say hi, that is not community. We've got to live life with one another. And we wonder why sometimes we feel disconnected. We wonder why people feel lonely in the churches because we're not doing what a church is made to do. And we've been okay with that. And my suggestion and my burden over this past year has been, what do we have to do to get to be the church that God wants us to do? We've got to worship together. We've got to uh, sacrifice uh, and, and give. Uh, I'm not talking about monetarily. I'm talking about uh, of our lives and the things in us that we're holding on to and, and surrender to our God. We've got to worship together. We've got to live in community together. We have to. There's no excuse. We have to have people that we lean on and people that lean on us. That's the only way we can be a church. It's not an event. It's a people. And we've got to do mission together. It can't just be about uh, the people in our membership and in our little friend circle, we've got to reach out and serve those that are in need. Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for it. And it is plan A to reach the world and to get the gospel into the world and to live out his love in the world. There is no plan B. We've got to worship. We've got to live in real community, genuine community. And we've got to do mission together. We're going to talk about these three things for the next three weeks, starting next Sunday. Christ loved the church and he gave himself for it. Well, what was he dying for? Today we remember and celebrate the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He came to draw us close to God. He came to show us more about who God is, namely that God is holy and that he loved us. 
And lastly, he gave us the church. He gave us the church. And if Jesus died for it, don't you think we should figure out what a church is supposed to be and what it isn't supposed to be? Don't you think that we should uh, defend those most important things and make sure that we don't get off track and emphasize something else or fight about something else that isn't the most important thing? Christ died for it. Don't you think we should ask ourselves, if we're a community of people that has the right focus and the right foundation, we have a great opportunity right now. The bones are bare. It's the perfect time to check and see if we have good bones. Don't you think we should ask ourselves, if we're a church that is worshiping together and living a community together and really serving through mission together, Christ sacrificed something to give us the church. Is this what he gave himself for? Every head's bowed and eyes closed. The worship team's going to come. Maybe you're listening today and you're not sure that you're a Christian. That's the first step of being part of this thing that God loves called the church. You've got to be able to go back to a time and a place where you realize that you were a sinner. You realize that you needed someone to save you. You couldn't save yourself. And you put your full faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross. That's what Easter's all about. Jesus in my place. That's what the gospel is. If you can't go back to a time and a place, now's the chance. Do it today. What an amazing time to do it. 2021 Easter day is the day that I gave my life over to God. If you can't go back to a time and a place, right now is the perfect time, the perfect place. You gotta realize that Jesus was God in the flesh and he lived a perfect and a holy life for his 33 years on this earth and then he died in your place for the sin that you would commit. All of it. And that the only way that you can get to God is through his son, Jesus Christ. You allow Jesus to take that punishment for you, accept that gift of salvation. It's not about baptism, church membership, although those things are great, it's all about the cross. You could call out to God right now with something like this. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know because of my sin that I deserve hell. God, forgive me. I'm turning from my sin and I'm turning to you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. If you made that choice today, once and for all, not a magic prayer, It's about what goes on in your heart. It's saying, God, I want to follow you. Jesus, I want to be a Jesus follower. That's you today. I'd love to hear from you. Whether you want to message me on Facebook or email me and say, hey, I accepted Jesus Christ. I put my faith in Jesus Christ today. My email address is pwayman at clarksburgbaptistchurch.com. Maybe you're not part of a church. It's Easter Sunday. Sometimes people watch, you know, just one time a year. Hey, Christ died to give you the church. And if you're a Christian, you're not made to live without it. There might be someone here that needs you and you might need someone. It's not perfect. Church is not perfect. Ask anybody that's ever been a part of a church. Churches have problems. Why? Because churches have people. We've got to have enough grace. We've got to have enough forgiveness. We've got to love God enough to love his people and forgive them. 
to push forward. Maybe you've been hurt by the church in the past. Hey, he has a community for you. Whether it's here, whether it's somewhere else, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Why don't you start praying about God showing you where he wants you to be? Dear Jesus, we love you. I pray for those, Lord, that might not know you as their savior today. God, I pray that they would just give up and give over to you and accept that gift, that free gift. Pray for those that are not part yet of a church community. God, I pray you would direct them and lead them right exactly where you want them to go. Not only so that they can just attend a place, but be a part, be a part of the family, a church, the body of Christ, functioning, helping, serving, giving outside of themselves. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the church, God. We thank you for the church, even though it's got warts and scars and Sometimes it hurts us. God, we thank you for the part that it's played in refining us and changing us and making us more like you. God, help this church to be a church that lifts up your name higher than any other name. God, help us to be a church that worships together, lives in community, in genuine community, and serves others with no strings attached. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.